The place of scripture that I shall read is written in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We have sung a song together just now. There were brothers. Brother, remind us again about words of love. It is specifically that which I would like to do today to remind us of the words of the man of God, our pastor, which he has spoken some time ago. More specifically, in 2016, the end of April and the beginning of May. I rejoice that I have the privilege to, along with you, look into this word, be immersed into it, study it, work with this word, to learn, and of course to look into it, and to look at it in such a way as acknowledging the order of God. It has been spoken that people shall fall at the feet of God in order to listen to His words. In order to heed to the words of God, we are called to fall to His feet, to, to incline, to bow down before His feet. And His feet, as we know, are those that are sent by God as wonderful feet these feet of the ones who bring good news, who speak the good word of God, these words of love that we had just sang together, I had thought, how interesting that I hadn't even really given any meaning to this song. You know, you 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 speak automatically, you listen to the melody, you're satisfied by it, and there are words of, of love in this song. And in these words, there is a mystery contained. And we will try to understanding the order of God, following how we heed to these words, we are going to try to fall to His feet and to incline, to incline ourselves to hearing these words. These, this place of Scripture, this revelation, is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. We continually hear these truths that we are called to fulfill specifically, to set aside, we must set aside the former way of life, and we must be clothed. We must first renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind in order to then be clothed into the new way of life so that death can be swallowed up by life. This is what Scripture tells us. And the Lord has created us, and He has given us the deposit of the Spirit, and we, having been found under the burden of the flesh, we groan, waiting for the redemption and the adoption of our bodies. And you know, I really like the English translation of a specific place of scripture. In Russian, it sounds like this, and when you shall see all of these things happening, know that the day is near. 
This day Jesus Christ has called, he will come as a snare across the whole world, and this snare is going to select certain people. And you know, this word, uh, deliverance, in English is translated again as redemption, redemption. And when you see all of this happening, know that your redemption is near. We wait for the redemption of our bodies. We clearly see that the words of Christ are being fulfilled and we are being found in this trembling trembling patience for the adoption of our bodies, for the redemption of our bodies. And the Lord will transform our bodies by the power with which He works. And what are we called to do? We are called to collaborate. We are called to be immersed into this word, to dwell in this word. We must fulfill our part because when this snare covers the whole earth, it is going to select before God, specifically those that had dwelled in the words, dwelled in the words, those that had fallen at the feet of the good men. Therefore, I rejoice along with you that God has given us and has allowed us to be on this heavenly feast and in trembling to eat this food of God. According to scripture, that clothing ourselves into the new man, we have seen it specifically in seven components. Specifically, a person that is clothed in pure linen, clean and bright is a person clothed in garments. He is clothed He is clothed in wedding garments. He is clothed in a linen clean and bright in robes of righteousness and having accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. I find satisfaction in having read these words in the original language because some words are difficult to translate. And you know, when they are translated, the translate doesn't necessarily illuminate that depth in which they were spoken with. For example, we see Jerusalem as in... Um, with regarding to the male gender, or at least when I hear, when the he do hears it, he hears it in the female gender. Jerusalem, he understands that the Church of God is standing behind this this word, and sometimes our mind stumbles, or perhaps it isn't easy for him to to that it isn't easy for him to understand. In Isaiah chapter 6, 1 from verse 10, these garments are written of, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This glory is there. It is contained there. This righteousness is there. We have accepted these words of righteousness. We are growing them. But they are hidden. They are not yet manifested. But there will come a time when God will manifest His righteousness, His glory, His glory that is contained in the Bride of Christ. In a certain format, we have already studied the essence contained in the garments of salvation. I've stopped to study the robe of righteousness, specifically the size of the price that is necessary for us to pay for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. 
I will repeat these components that we have already studied and we will move along further. The first price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness is comprised in fulfilling the conditions that give us the opportunity to be filled with the fear of the Lord. We have heard that in order to be filled with the fear of the Lord, it is necessary to dwell and to eat of the milk and the honey for a long time, to eat this milk and honey in order to be filled with the wisdom of God, with the fear of the Lord, because fear is the ability to understand what is good and what is evil, to understand how to correctly act so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God and fulfill His word. To fear is to understand and to fulfill God's word, and for this it is necessary to dwell in the church of God and to eat of milk and honey. Second price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness is, is comprised of the conditions fulfilling which is called to turn upon us the favor of God. There are certain conditions in order to uh, to attract the favor of God, the double level of the favor of God. And this is what all of the disciples, apostles, prophets had done. People that were great before God, they sought for this favor. And for this favor, they were ready to give any kind of price for it. The third component of the price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness is the price for the ability to judge of all that comes from the Spirit of God and to oneself to not depend on the judgment of any carnal person, to depend on the judgment when the Lord weighs us, when He weighs us on the scales with His word we must be dependent on this kind of judgment. And when we are dependent, it is easy for God to correct us on our paths. And when we correct and we have mercy, and when we have the mercy for God to correct us, to teach us, to show us with the words of righteousness, we become strong. We become strong against any kind of false teaching and any kind of fleshly attempts, fleshly corrections. We do not submit to them. When they wanted to come and these false teachers wanted to teach us, we did not obey them and did not submit to them. The fourth price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness is the price for the opportunity and the right to know the mind of the Lord in order to judge of it in order to give appraisal to His words. You know, an appraisal must be correct. If we do not give a right appraisal, we won't be able to pay the correct price. Therefore, the price, when we hear this is the Word of God, we must call this the Word of God. When we submit to Him, when we make ourselves servants of this Word, while we say, that brother said this, and that pastor I heard in that city many years ago, he said this, well, you, brother, well, and how, what do you say? And, you know, we need to give a correct appraisal. We need to appraise that which God gives us. And if we do not correctly appraise, just as the people of Israel had not correctly appraised or valued it, when the greatest prophet of all time, the greatest prophet of all time, came and walked along the earth, and he had taught, and this word fell from his lips, they didn't value it. And that's why he said, your house shall remain empty to you. But we have mercy before God to study these conditions and through this to be made capable of paying the correct price. The fifth 
condition for being clothed in the robes of righteousness is comprised of pondering and looking upon those truths that will allow us to be renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who has created us. God, who has given birth to man, gave him the unique ability to, to for renewal when he tripping, perhaps falling, gets right back up and goes back to the Lord and asks and seeks favor of God. He asks for forgiveness and he gets back up for a wicked person. For a wicked person who resists against God, those of this world, they don't have this capability to be renewed. This is the unique opportunity which God, when he gives birth He has this capability, and He, according to His might and according to His great power, He gives it through us, and we are called to look upon this characteristic that He has and imitate God as beloved dear children. The sixth condition for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness is the price to partake in alcoholic drinks, as it is written in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. For he will be great before the Lord, and he will not drink wine or strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The greatness of God in a person is expressed in the fact that when he refuses to drink wine and strong drink, any kind of alcoholic drink and any kind of dose, and I will remind you, 10 properties, very important properties that Pastor had mentioned, ten and with 10 places of scripture, about why this is important, why this is critically important. First, wine contains in itself the property of mockery and he who is swayed by it is not wise. Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Second, wine contains itself the capability to bring to sleep the conscience and to bring a person to calamity and destruction. Do not look on the wine, Proverbs 23, 31-35. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may see another drink? Here, Pastor had paid attention that a person who drinks wine, his conscience begins to fall asleep. It must stand in vigilance. His conscience must judge a person based on the basis of the knowledge that he has received, and this knowledge must come from the Lord day unto day, utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge we know that place of scripture this knowledge comes through the church this is the wisdom of god that is made known that is made known through the church of god the multi the multifaceted wisdom of god and the lord often turned and said i had sent my prophets 
and I had hit you with the words of my mouth. But you did not hear, you did not discern. I hit you with the words of my lips. And when a person has godliness as the morning fog, he, as if he's with God or at the same time is not with God, you know, when the sun appears, the fog disappears. It doesn't exist. And there is this how their godliness is. When there is some kind of suffering, then this person's godliness, it, it, is, it dissipates, it disappears. And when the Lord sometimes strikes because He loves His people and He is zealous for His people, and when He begins to strike with the words of His lips, well, a person who drinks this wine and strong drink, He says, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. His conscience becomes and his neck becomes stiff and he doesn't even feel that he is being he is being struck he says I was not hurt I will do the same thing and he goes to calamity same thing like the one who slept uh, on the ma- mast in the midst of the sea Jesus Christ had warned that when this day comes be vigilant because it will, across the whole face of the earth, will find us. And you must be vigilant and wait for it. And the category of people who use wine and strong drink, they are those that do not understand. They fall asleep. It's all of a sudden when they're going to fall in the water, but they remain sleeping and it is as if something is, everything is okay. It is the sleep of an incorrect character. And this is all the result of drinking wine. Three, wine contains the property to deprive kings to deprive kings and princes from their royal from their royalness. Proverbs thirty one, four through five. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. So he has made us kings and priests. And when he has made us kings and priests and we have learned of this that's it the question must be card must be cardinally answered there is no no single drink of wine for drinking wine contains calamity and woe to all of those who drink of it which will be a harvest to all uh, harvest with the fire of God that devours Isaiah 5, 22-25 Woe to men mighty at drinking wine Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink Who justify the wicked for a bribe And take away justice for the righteous man And take a look at what follows What the results are Therefore as the fire devours the stubble And the flame consumes the chafe So their root will be as rottenness And their blossom will ascend like dust Because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts And despised the word of the Holy One of Israel Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them And the hills trembled Their carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets for all that his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Fifth, drinking wine is the price which a person sells, for which a person sells his inheritance in the subject of the kingdom of heaven. Do you not know that the drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God? First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through ten. Six, drinking wine 
causes dissipation, which is incompatible with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. People say, well, do not be drunk means don't drink a lot. But here, Pastor translates this place of scripture for us. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. But if there is dissipation from it, then why drink it at all? This means do not be drunk means do not do not drink, do not partake in this. From it is dissipation. Why risk? Why bring yourself to such a position as one who is asleep on top of the mast of the ship? You are going to be shaken off the boat and you won't even notice that you are found thrown in the waters of the of the stormy sea in different kinds of waters you've been thrown from the ship seventh drinking wine relates to the works of the flesh and is incompatible with offering god the fruit of holiness galatians chapter 5 verse 20 now the works of the flesh are known they are idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions drunkenness and the like, of which I tell you beforehand that just as I also told you in the time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Eighth, drinking wine and service to God in the temple of one's body is also incompatible and will result in death. Leviticus chapter 10 verses 8 through 9. Do not be drunk, do not be drink, drunk with wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. But we are priests in a temple of our body continually. And he, he says, I will rather not come to God kings and priests. I will, I will go with the people. It's easier for me there. There is less responsibility with the people rather than with the kings and priests. And you know this is all temporary. But then it will be too late. We don't have a choice to stray away further from God. This is, this is a risk that a person who is born of God, he can't allow for himself. He must strive because God is his salvation. Therefore, he must strive toward God. And when we strive toward God, God says, now you will be priest in the temple of your body. And here a person makes a decision. He needs to strive with all of his heart toward God or to depart himself or evade from God. And this is very unfortunate when people evade themselves from God. And they prepare themselves for calamity in this manner. Ninth, drinking wine deprives a person of his dedication that is tied to his calling. Numbers 6, 1-3, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take to the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from the similar drink, neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. There are other words, uh, there are other churches where women are unable to speak in the church, but take a look in this place of scripture. Men and women are called, or can be, take a vow of a Nazarite. What must they do? They must uh, they must stay away from wine and similar drink. 10. 
So that was number nine. Drinking wine and, ded- and dedication to God is incompatible, whether it be for a male or a woman. Ten, drinking earthly wine will lead to the harvest and retribution. And they will drink the wine of the anger of God. Revelation 18. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. This is the judgment over Babylon. And the seventh... The seventh component of the price for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. This is the concluding this the concluding one, and this is very expanded and broad, and we will try to uh, be introduced to it today. The seventh price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness in order to fulfill the justice of God is to be clothed in redemption that is yielded in observing the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute that has been established by God. We will hear this word Pesach and we hear it fairly often. As I think here that, Pastor, in order to to separate us from this idolatry you know that when passover is included by some kind of buttons by bunnies some kind of eggs people have different kinds of variations of this of these kind of gentile pagan uh, celebrations passover if you separate it from it it's a beautiful word but pasik is the original let us look to the original and the man of God returns us to the old way of good and into the old times. They had said Pesach, a uh, fast unto the feast unto the Lord. When we look at Pesach, or in Russian as we're used to knowing it, in the translation Passover, and remember in translations there are a lot of in, incorrections that are made, and this is unfortunate. But when we look at Pesach feast, we see two things, two very important things, continually. Where there is the bread, there is the lamb. Scripture says the Passover had approached. So we must see these two things continually. Christianity in its majority, it goes towards one direction. And people make their focus on where they see the lamb they don't see the breads but this is the feast of bread scripture says that this is the feast of breads but it is called Pesach very important component is eating of the of the leavened breads but the main image is found in the lamb itself Therefore, talking about the seventh component we should continually remember and try to keep this balance which our pastor teaches us about the man of God so that we don't go left nor right. And here in the middle we have the truth. This is a statute that was established by God regarding Pesach and the definition of the price for the seven point. We will talk about 
the robes of righteousness and we are called to be clothed by our worthy partaking of the great mystery, mystery that is called to define in our essence our dwelling in the life of God. This seventh sign, this is the seventh sign, and all of this is the observance of Pesach, the statue regard Pesach, how to eat of it, how to prepare it, how to be prepared, what is it? And this is a very broad topic. I tried to take this topic out and, you know, I just took from the computer, copy and paste, copy and paste, 15 different pages. I was working on this for about an hour, and I had, while I had the time and the energy, you just take 10 to 15 pages, take it, copy, paste. And I thought, well, where? Where do I stop? This is such a, a large topic. It's wonderful and magnificent. That's why we are going to, to look at it. And again, we are remembering that which the Lord has already spoken for us. Apostle Peter said, I will never cease to, with remembering, to excite the pure thinking. And when I, when we go back, we look at the kind of riches and we see that these riches and how much we need to remember. And you know, in our last cell group, I... I, I begin to remember, remember some previous sermons and our saints said, well, how do we grasp onto all of this? And I said, it depends on us. We give God the measure. He gives us the word and our measure. And I think, well, Lord, seven, eight years ago, a pastor had spoken certain words and I love, I love this feast so much. I understand the importance of this, of the celebration of this feast. Well, how come I took so little from those sermons? I, reading this and uh, repeating this for myself, I can now see a lot more. Being clothed in the robes of righteousness was contained in eating of the lamb of the Pesach as well as the it contained requirements of eating of the lamb itself. Our garments had to be correct in this. Exodus 12, 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. If we do not fulfill the justice of God in observing the Pesach of the Lord according to this statute that is established by God, we will never be able to be made heirs of the faith of Abraham. I, John 6, 53-58 Then Jesus said to the disciples, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. The word he who eats, meaning he who continually eats. This is the condition, the condition of Pesach. Not just we just celebrate it one time and we do a true celebration, but this kind of great celebration that we have done and we move forward. Where do we move forward? Well, well nowhere, because we need, to, we need to celebrate it continually. Seven days, fullness. We must continually eat of this 
and dwell in it. We must dwell in this preached word of God, and only in this manner we are going to be able to prepare ourselves. We are going to be able to be prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus when He comes to be glorified in His saints. We know that when He comes to be glorified in His saints, the first thing is that He is going to transform our bodies by His power, and we are going to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ, and we with trembling wait for this day. The Feast of Pesach, even before the creation of the world, was meant by God Again, its roots are very long ago. It was meant by God to become the blessed fate of all of those who come near to Him, in which God received the opportunity to fulfill judgment over His enemies that had persecuted His chosen remnant. The essence of these promises that is contained in the celebration of Pesach was expressed in the following. First, it was expressed in the legal right to exit out of Egypt, which symbolized the right to liberty from the vain life or the sinful inheritance that has passed down to us through the vain seed of our forefathers. The legal right symbolizing freedom, freedom from the vain life passed on from our forefathers. Second, in the legal right to enter into the promised land that symbolizes the right to partaking to the inheritance of saints. So the inheritance, the promise of God, we know that there are a multitude of promises. They like the stars, like the stars in the sky. They are like the sand on the sand. And the celebration of Pesach opens for us the right to come near to them, to enter into the inheritance. Third, it is expressed in the legal right to know God and to be perfected in the image of His Son in the process of our communication with Him, that which we do are doing now. And if we, if we do it, if we do dwell in this word, but not all have believed this word, this preached word, and not all, God has not found favor upon all because they ate the manna but were dead in the wilderness. And this legal right is given to us and we are called to collaborate with it. We are called to dwell in it, to fall in love with this word, to hold on to this word, to dwell in it and to pay the price for this word. And here our flesh is is in, is tense when we say how wonderful it is when we define this truth, when we hear the purpose of this truth, when we weigh, when we say, I want, I want this great, this is a great purpose for us. And then the result, we hear the result as well. The result also entices us when the Lord shows us. When He shows us and says, take a look at what the result will be. And when there is a price, sometimes we stumble upon the price. And our flesh begins to resist this. It doesn't want to pay the price. But here, of course, the Lord also gives us certain instruments Well, first of all, we need to place our old man in the cage. And second, we need to hold him in there so that he becomes helpless. So that the cage doesn't shake. So that he can't be lifted up in this cage. God gives us instruments to do this, and we are called to use these instruments. We are called to collaborate. Practically, in these purposes of celebrating the Pesach feast, our contain, we receive first the ability 
for protection from the just anger of God with the simultaneous of bringing to fulfillment the judgment of God over our enemies. When we accept faith through the proclamation of our lips and we place the old man in the cage, you know, the Lord favors this. He favors this and He says, you are on the right path you have done correctly. Be, continue to proclaim this word. Perhaps this cage will shake at first the old man. He he erupts and he says, on, on what basis? I was here before you in this body. This, I was in... I was ruling in your forefathers. On what foundation have you placed me in this prison? And he is going to be boisterous and he's not going to agree with us. But pastor teaches us how to answer this question. We must we must force him to be silent. Be silent, my flesh, in the name of Jesus Christ. And it begins to grow quiet. Pastor explains to us that any kind of word is a is a program. We begin to use this program. We begin to turn on this program through the faith of the heart. So this word that is placed in the depths of our spirit that we have accepted, that has found its roots in there, then we begin to proclaim it. And in this manner, we turn on the program. We turn on the program that is stronger than the program that is found in the old man. It, this program is strong. Be courageous, I have overcome. He says, I give you such a strong program that if you are going to use it, you will need the old man in your bodies. And then when he is going to be cast, he's going to be cast out from the bodies of the holy children of God. Second, when we partake and we celebrate the Pesach, Pesach feast, we receive the organized and righteous partaking to the body and blood of the Lord in the face of the heavenly Jerusalem, which points to the fact that in fact we become partakers to God's heritage, not during the moment of circumcision, but when we partake of the Pesach of the Lord in which we, uh, in which we know God. I stumbled here. I thought, you know, uh, circumcision. Uh, how do I understand this eating of the Pesach of the Lord? And I thought, well, he's on vacation. Well, how do I how do I ask him? I thought, okay, let me read it again. Let me read it again. And then Pastor explains, we eat the Pesic when a child has been born. He is found at uh, he is found near the milk of his mother. He doesn't eat directly from the lamb, but he eats or he receives food through the mother. And this makes him a partaker of the heritage of God. Third, we receive the opportunity to proclaim the Lord's death so that in his resurrection, triumphing over sin, and we exchange fates. Because it is in the moment of our worthy partaking of Pesach that the blessed fate of the Son of God becomes our fate and our curse becomes his achievement. Why? Why am I found under this curse? Well, perhaps... I forgot the statute, I forgot about the Pesach, but that's why I'm here today, in order to remember this Pesach fast, Pesach feast. Fourth, we receive freedom from slavery unto Egypt, which also became possible thanks to our worthy, worthy partaking of Pesach. Slavery, slavery unto our soul, S uh, sinful slavery. 
a slavery that is of sinful origin and sinful inclinations that are found in the sinful life of our forefathers that we have accepted as our inheritance. Fifth, we receive the right to healing from illnesses as is written in Psalms 105. He also brought them out and there were none feeble among his tribes or none ailing. I've already testified of this, friends, but this does come to memory to testify. When I came to America, I had three uh, chronic diagnoses. I wasn't allowed in the army. My blood pressure in the clinic in Russia, 240 over over 130. This was a high blood pressure, and I, for some reason, it was high. And I had other diagnoses, and and I, I came to America. I was an ailing person, and I was not a member of the church. But I had heard the sermon of our pastor, my son, except the words that I speak, they are silver. And I had believed, I had believed that when I hear these words, I'm going to listen to them, I'm going to be healed. And I didn't even notice that several years had passed. My blood pressure was still high, but it began to lower, lower, and lower. And right now it's a normal, it has stabilized. I constantly had stomach compulsions and I, for about a year, 30, 40 days a year, laid in the hospital. I was given a lot of medicine, a lot of different injections. As much as I remember from my childhood, I remember drinking this three-liter bottle of a uh, three-liter bottle of liquid in order to be rid of these pains that I was in. I couldn't eat certain foods, certain fried foods. I forgot about all of this, and so forth. I had rheumatoid arthritis. My my knees uh, were swollen and I couldn't walk and we were working. One worker had told me, Dimitri, young per- he was a young person. He says, uh, yeah, I see how you're jumping on roofs. And I said, how do you know that the demons are helping me? As he had thought, I said, why can't God help? But all of a sudden you say that demons are helping me in this instance. He didn't understand, and I didn't grow angry at him. I just said, look, God had helped the people, and they were healthy, they were strong, and they were blessed before God. And they fought in such a way that those whom the demons had helped, they came to they came to fear. This is my testimony. So healing is the mercy of God that I had received through the ministry of our pastor because it is specifically in the moment of eating of Pesach that God receives the right to place our illnesses upon His Son. Six, we receive the right to be enriched in God, which also occurs through the results of our worthy partaking of Pesach. He also brought the Israelites out with silver and gold. Seventh, we gain the right to the legal right to obtaining the land in which flows milk and honey having the land. This is the land for which are the greatest wars involved between the armies of God and between the armies of darkness. The earth is precious and the eyes of the Lord are upon the land. The land in which flows milk and honey symbolizes the new man 
born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. Whereas milk and honey is the heart of a person that is born of God. There where the battle begins, and there is where the battle is of all ages and times. And the Lord gains the opportunity to conduct this victory in us and gives it to us as an inheritance of the victory of His Son. When we partake in Pesach, we don't need to suffer as Christ suffered. We need to eat of the Pesach. Whereas milk and honey that flows in this land is the Word of God. It's the Word of God that dwells there, that moves milk and honey that is the spiritual food in the new man. For these treasures, again, seven, seven of these treasures, but in these seven is the fullness. There's more in them. Pastor limits this word so that it had a certain format with which he can bring to us that we can understand him correctly and the opportunity to understand it. But in this number seven, we see fullness. The significance of the number seven is fullness. In there is present the fullness of God. For all the promises of God are yes and amen through the glory of God, through the messengers of God. In order for these treasures of the Pesach feast, these are written, there are treasures in there, in order uh, these for the treasures of the Pesach feast that contain our partaking to the heritage of God, Scripture imputed to us the opportunity or rather the necessity to fulfill ten conditions how of how we should eat of the Pasic lamb. These ten conditions are written in the book of Exodus chapter 12. Specifically, we must separate the Pasic lamb. Second, we must remove all leaven from our home. Third, we must anoint the lentils and the doorpost of the door with blood. The lamb must be baked in fire. Five, we must gird ourselves with gird our loins. Six, we must adorn our feet with shoes. Seven, we must take the staff. Eight, we must eat the lamb whole. Nine, we must eat it with herbs, with bitter herbs and spices. And ten, we must eat it in haste. The first condition or the requirement of Pesach was to separate the Pesach lamb. Exodus 12, 3-6 Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man, this is the month Nisan or Abim, we see this in scripture. This is the first month. Abim is the first month. Let every man take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Again, it could be of a sheep or from goats. Well, what if uh, an hour before the time appointed? Well, nothing bad will happen, right? This is a violation of the Pesach feast. And a curse becomes revealed. Pesach must be celebrated according to the statute. 
or observed, when we hear this sealed word which God unseals, it flows, His wisdom flows from this place. Of course, this is an honor, it is a special time for the people of God. Many kings and prophets sought to understand what is behind behind this statute, how to fulfill it. They, with trembling, had observed it literally and knew that behind this stood something great because God said, What is hidden belongs to the Lord your God, but that which I have opened to you, observe these words. Observe these words to the end of ages, until a certain time, until until the Lord erects a prophet who is going to be like me, says Moses, uh, from your from among your brethren. And this prophet was Jesus Christ. He is going to speak words. He is going to teach us how to observe this word, how to fulfill the Pesach feast. And every soul that does not listen, that does not listen to the words of this prophet, whom I select to speak these words, this soul shall be destroyed from among the people. On our end, our partaking in the separation of the Pesach lamb, it has to be selected. It had to be selected and separated. The correct lamb means to present our body as a living, holy, and pleasing sacrifice to God for reasonable service. Well, right now, we're talk- are we talking about lambs or ourselves? What do we have to do with anything? Well, you know, we are that what we eat. That which we eat, that which we become. You know, you can look at a person and you can see how he eats. Of course, sometimes this doesn't work. You know, like Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taking all the food away from them and they were just given, uh, they were given very uh, food, basic food like vegetables, but they looked full. They looked like kings. God does his miracles and wonders. But you know, in America, you look and when we had just arrived in New York, I went out to see the kind of people that were around and I had never seen such different kind of varieties of people with these, all the forms that they are in. Of course, people eat this kind of food and they, their form begins to change. But here we must eat of the lamb in order to gain the form of a lamb. And when we are transformed through partaking to this lamb, then we become this lamb. We are made in the likeness of the Lord Jesus. We became, we become similar to him. We must see this. We must separate the lamb. We must present our bodies as a holy pleasing sacrifice to God for reasonable service, living sacrifice, holy, and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Sometimes I go to church and I think, I don't know, my soul is weary, my body, I think, Am I going to hear anything today? Perhaps I I didn't sleep well or something else. Each time a wonder happens. And the worst that I feel, the worst that I feel, again, if I am sick, I am ailing, I might have a virus, of course I will need to remain home in order to show brotherly love because another person might become infected. But if I'm ailing with something else, and I come, 
And each time, if I have overcome the challenge, I receive such richness in my heart. Sometimes it's difficult to express it with words, but this happens. And God lays something inside, something great and special, that you come out and you think, I can for 20 more hours be vigilant. I had fallen and I think I'm going to fall asleep. I, I slept poorly last night, but I come out and I don't want to sleep at all. I want to jump and work and run. And then comes the time and it's time to go back to sleep. Therefore, our body likes order, schedule. We must partake. When we select the lamb, we must select it and present it to the Lord. The next. To separate ourselves into a living sacrifice is possible only upon the fulfillment of three conditions. The Pesach must be without blemish of the male gender and one-year-old. It must be without blemish of the male gender and one-year-old. First, to be without blemish means to accept justification as the gift of grace in the redemption of Christ. If this is not there, there's going to be a blemish. If I begin to look at my own works and that which I have done, this is a blemish. And there we will always find blemishes. There we will always find blemishes. That's why I look upon what the Lord has done, and on the basis of this, I come before His countenance, and I present my body. And when I don't have a blemish, because in Christ there is no blemish, we are without blemish, I eat of His body, and I become without blemish, just like Job. When I accept justification as a gift, independent of my works, I become without blemish, and I come draw near to the Lord in order to eat I fulfill statutes which make me without blemish not some kind of works or some kind of mission you know sometimes people think and say I've met with a person before long ago we had seen each other and he asks how are you I say good the Lord gives me uh, he says I, the Lord I am able to open a missionary and the Lord has blessed me in such a way that I will walk into Starbucks to buy coffee and he says, I will pay I will pay for the order of two more people and I want to do a good work. And I looked at him and I think, oh, how, how foul smelling is it from these words? How unpleasant. What? This person is satisfied by this. He's, he's a Christian person. He calls himself Christian, but very unpleasant to hear how people boast of this, that they talk about this, and they don't say, well, the Lord has, they, they say, the Lord has given me such a good heart, and Christ Jesus said, well, what are you doing that's special? I come to buy coffee and someone paid, and a few times I've had it happen before <laughs> that I drink coffee and someone else pays for me. Well, what is it so special in this that you are doing? Don't the Gentiles also do this? Gentiles also do this. But you think that the Lord has blessed you and now you are so important and doing such a, such, a, such a kind deed. An ordinary Gentile. Second, to meet the requirements of male gender means in our dedication to God to not depend on our old nature, but to depend on the nature as Naaman had depended on but rule over this nature, just as Naaman had done. 
Because while we remain dependent on our old nature, because it is not yet crucified, it is placed dependent on sin. When our new man comes to power over the old man, and you know the power of the old man, it is the faith of the heart and the proclamation of the lips, the faith of the heart. We must absolutely have the faith of the heart. Proclaim or not proclaim, if you have not accepted this preached word according to the statutes of God, through the man of God, proclaim all you want. This proclamation is going to destroy you and it's going going to cover you. But the faith of the heart, the word of God that is accepted through the person that has been sent by God and the, the proclamation of our lips, because how they teach you, you shall do. Do not incline to the right or to the left. And when our pastor says, you feel yourself this way, it is difficult for you. Well, proclaim, proclaim, pray, repeat after me. And we begin to repeat, and all of a sudden, there is victory because there is the power of the new man in these words. And the male gender tells us of this. The male gender, this person, must, having accepted and having manifested this action in himself of this male gender, this female gender, to accept and to fertilize the Word of God in the mouths of the people of God. He grows it, and then he reveals he reveals this quality of a male gender. He begins to then proclaim it. And this means to celebrate the feast according to the statute, Romans 6, 6-7, through knowing this, not feeling, but knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The old man ha- needs to be held in captivity, and our new man must come to power and to express this royal power with the faith of the heart and proclamation of the lips. Third, to be one year old, so that we talked about to be without blemish and to be the male gender and to be one year age. To be one year of age means to accept a grace in the face of the Holy Spirit and to depend on the Holy Spirit. The phrase, the day of the Lord or the Sabbath of the Lord or the year of the redeemed, all of this means is referring to a period of time that yields the year of the Lord. It is the time of the grace of God. It is a time of the holy people of God in which they gain the power and the right to step into the grace that is meant by God in the face of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 16-19 And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the time when the action of the reign of God began. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this place of scripture is written in Luke, but is also taken from Isaiah. He had already he had taken the book of Isaiah and he read in Isaiah chapter 63. Chapter 63, verse 4 says, For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. 
Isaiah 63.4. The second condition or requirement of celebrating the Pesach feast that is necessary for our worthy partaking of Pesach was to purge out of our home all kinds of old leaven. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. To celebrate. To celebrate the Pesach feast. At once Apostle Paul had said, Oh, if you in fact had reigned or had celebrated, they said, he said, you begin to reign without us, but if you were to have a, a feast happens in God's order only exclusively according to this statute, along with all its rules and norms, this is the true celebration of it. When we hear this word, when we accept it, when we fulfill it, we partake of the Pesach fast. Pesach feast. In our case, the house that needed to be purged of old leaven is our own body, which includes those that live in this house, our spirit and our soul. And what? That simple? We might just want to just take it and just clean it out. And there's a lot that is contained in this. If a person cleanses his body, there is this is a lot. And this is a lot. This is the fulfillment of the Pesach feast. This is that which the Lord which the Lord requires. And to purge our house from old leaven is to cleanse ourselves from all uh, premises of the blemish and sin that comes from our old nature. You know, people oftentimes run to missionary fields. But here we have so much lot of work here to do within ourselves not having cleansed themselves they go and, and go be missionaries elsewhere I had met a person before he said you know a lot for a while now I I have I have sat down or I have I have been I want I've been really enticed by the missionary trips and he used Russian slang to, to explain this. That made him a sound as if he was, was cool. And in Scripture, Old Leaven, uh, we had inherited from the sinful seed of our fathers. Leaven is the microscopic, a microscopic fungi. The essence of it is very interesting, how it occurs. It's occurrence is is interesting they are microscopic these things are perhaps they not meaningful they're microscopic well take a look at me and you won't you won't see it in me i might appear to you as if i don't have these microscopic things having peace and godliness but microscoping uh, fungus is, is contained in this leaven We say, well, this isn't sin. Well, there are some kind of weaknesses, and sometimes we try to justify them with certain words. We try to clothe them to appear 
as if it wasn't so ugly, as if it wasn't so scary. But take a look at what is hidden in it. In it is the mystery of God, which Pastor reveals to us here. It it causes fermentation. A small microscopic of this leaven, no one would see or even understand. And what happens from this addition? It becomes leavened. And this kind of action became a, a symbol of something that was unnoticeable, but was significant in the cultivation of the kingdom of sin, as well as the king cultivation of the kingdom of heaven, depending. Mixing of divine interests with God's interests with these will lead us to calamity. Here, the mystery of godliness, or the mystery of lawlessness reveals itself. These people come and say, well, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not ca- do wonders in your name? Did we not? Did you not teach us in our streets? Take a look at what is written here. We won't even discover, we won't even realize how we will be focused on the interests of man. And in the number 666, 666 is the number of man, and in it contains interests of man. When we allow this leaven to be present in us, we will turn to fulfilling our own interests, thinking, this is such an important component. I was reading this and I thought, well, how can I make this big question mark, a big fat red question mark, if I can somehow place it upon this particular page? And this exclamation mark, uh, this is my attention that is focused on it. This is a very... uh, significant thing and it has this microscopic form Genesis 6 4 through 9 at that time there were giants on the earth and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. And the kingdom of heaven is also a kind of leaven. And you know the kingdom of heaven is a strong leaven. It has the power to overcome the old leaven this fleshly one. But when we partake in this, we are called to not mix what is divine with what is human. This old man, 
You know, we shouldn't hide him. We shouldn't try to hide him for ourselves. We're not talking about others right now. For ourselves, we should not hide him. He must be placed on the, he must be uncovered. When we hear the preached word of God, we are called to give the correct appraisal because this word it has a kind of power and authority as a double-edged sword that penetrates deep, deep into the heart of a person until the separation of the soul and spirit, it separates and what is carnal and what is human, it cuts out and it removes it. We at last uh, cell group talked about, well, share, I was asking saints, share, who, uh, who, how, accepts, uh, who, how, eats or ponders upon the word of God. One says, I endure oil. I am like a famished land and water is poured out when I hear the word. Water is poured out upon this land. Another says, I I see it as healing oil, healing oil in my soul. And I'm, I'm sitting and it is healing me. One brother says, well, I endure how it cuts me. And, you know, I looked and I said, you know, I liked that the word of God, that's good. Water, oil, all is good. All of this is wonderful. But when it begins to cut deep and begins to cut out what is fleshly, this is good that we feel this. This means that there is victory. The victory is on the horizon, that we can see it. We will continue to feel it and to endure the word this way to continue to endure it and to know that these experiences are correct when something is cut out from us. Well, what is cut out is that which must be cut out. Therefore, Lord, cut it out. Remove this. Because, you know, the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord, He gives our pastor, He gives him in his heart the ability to see because there are the microscopic leaven that is contained there. And all of a sudden, we must take and we must uproot it. We must cut it. We must cut these little, uh, this little fungus that is contained in this leaven. You know, everyone feels this word. It can be felt. It can be felt in our heart. It can be felt. And the third condition or requirement that is involved in observing the Pesach is to anoint with the blood of the pierced lamb the doorposts and the lentils of our home. Exodus 12, 21-23, Then Moses called all of the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, or as we heard, will jump over, to pass over in English is more of a correct expression, to pass over, to jump over to jump over this home and do not allow this destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. 
The blood on these doors symbolically pointed to the refuge of Christ, to, to our refuge in Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We hide from the anger of God, first and foremost. Jesus Christ, you know, he taught, he said, do not be afraid of the one who can kill your flesh, who might do evil unto you. Do not be afraid. Do not pay attention to this. But he who can take his soul and cast it. He says, I give you an oath. Fear the one who can, fear the one who is great, who is God. We observing the Pesach according to the statute, we hide from the anger and the retribution of God. Second, blood on these doors pointed to the church of Jesus Christ, which is the house of God. 1 Timothy 3, 15 So that if I tarry, you shall know how to be in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the righteous and pillar of truth. Third, blood on these doors pointed to the new man redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who, according to, to condition his of his organized partaking to the church, is a part of the house of God. A person must be a partaker to the church of God. Thus, Pesach, in the subject of the Lamb baked on the fire, pointed the program of the New Testament and the New Teaching that could be accepted only by the new man. Otherwise, a new wine in the subject of a new testament or a new covenant that defines a new teaching upon being poured into the person with an unrenewed mind instead of saving him will will destroy him. Luke 5.37 And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. Jesus Christ had said I have many things to still say to you, but now you can no longer uh, accept it. The Holy Spirit will come and He will pour out the rest of this truth of God. I understand that the Word of God that I hear today, I couldn't understand it before. I couldn't completely take it in before. I hear this Word differently today, differently than perhaps how I had heard the Word of Pastor 20 years ago. I even come, Pastor comes and I say, Pastor, but you didn't say this. He says, no, Dima, I did say this that long ago. But the Holy Spirit had, has, now the time has come. And I say, well, how? You didn't talk about this. He says, I did talk about this. God gives wisdom to the one who reads. To not wound the holy children of God. But Apostle, Apostle Paul taught about this. He had said, I taught you with the first foundations of the Word of God, and I gave you firm, solid food, because you were not strong enough, and you are still not yet strong enough. So many years in the church, and some are still not yet strong enough. If I give more, if I give up a higher level, higher level of the Word of God, it will simply destroy you. Hearing the kind of word of God that the Lord speaks to us today, we are a strong nation. We are strong people. God is giving us such a strong word, and we did not die. We are strong people. 
whom God is preparing for battle. And do you not know that you are the Spirit of God and the Lord dwells in you? Thus, based on this parable where Christ had said, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, in the subject of Pesach, Christ becomes our tower through our faith in his redemptive blood because only through the redemptive blood we firstly become the belonging of God and no longer belong to ourselves. For you were brought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6.20 Secondly, through acceptance of this redemptive blood, we become partakers of the body of the Lord. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make the members of a harlot? Certainly not. 1 Corinthians 6.15 Furthermore, we should pay attention to the fact that truth about the blood of the cross of Christ works under the condition that Pesach is going to be partaken to in one home, meaning we cannot anoint uh, or rather sprinkle the blood of others' doors And then to eat the Pesic in another home. We can't do that. Exodus 12:46. In one home it shall be eaten. There is another idea there to not go from house to house, is it is written there. And we know what this means. Do not leave your assembly. You must not leave your assembly. There where God has justified us and He has revealed to us this good wife, He has revealed to us the church where we must go. We must not go from field to field, from house to house, to run to and fro. There where God has opened and He has sat you and He has shown you the place. You know, someone having been found in the structure of the children of God in the church that does not contain the dignity of a good wife can say, well, I won't go. You know, there's another place of scripture that exists. Run, flee from Babylon. If this church does not meet the requirements of a good wife and the order of God, the place of scripture sounds like this. Flee from Babylon and you will be as goats in the at the front of the flock. Leave all and run so that you may not partake in the transgressions that are being done in Babylon. Be partaking to God's order, for the anger of God is drawing near. And of course, to worthily partake of the Pesach of the Lord, and thus to receive the right and to find a refuge in God, it was necessary upon preparing the Lamb of Pesach was to not break its bones. In Scripture, scripture this means to eat of the Pesach with faith, to use our faith, our faith in the Word of God, calling the inexistent as existent. Hebrews 11.28 By faith he kept the Passover in the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Scripture offers for the protection of our homes from the destroyer to pierce the to pierce the lamb and to take the hyssop and to bring this blood on the lentils and the doorposts of our door. 
The vessel where all the blood was gathered of the pierced lamb represented the Church of Christ as well as our reborn spirit. And the hyssop, let's take a look at the hyssop. The hyssop with which the blood was brought on the lentils on the doorpost figuratively represented the fruit of the proclamation of our lips and the truth of the blood of the cross of Christ. An interesting detail, that hyssop is that cannot be identified today. However, we know of its purpose. There is a revelation about how to use this hyssop. Bunches of hyssop together were the subject that were used to sprinkle blood upon making a covenant with God as well in the cleansing of the leprous. Psalms 59, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The place of the growth of hyssop, according to which we can judge of it just as God wants, is his wall. 1 Kings 4.33 And also Solomon spoke of the trees that are on the cedar tree of Lebanon, that even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall, he spoke also of the emails of animals, of birds, of creeping things. This talks about the nature of hyssop as cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. This points to the fruit of righteousness that was called to be revealed by a person who has accepted justification by the gift of grace and the redemption of Christ. Songs of Solomon 8, 9 through 10. If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver, and if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I am a wall, and my breasts like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. A wall in this case figuratively represents the inner state of a person who has come to the full measure of Christ, who is capable who, to offer fruit of humility in the subject of hyssop. The fruit of humility grows on the root of meekness. We demonstrate meekness, we bridle ourselves, and we grow, we come to the fullness, and we we begin to sh- reveal fruit of humility. When we have this fruit of humility, with this fruit, we are able to take it, and we must. We may be able to sprinkle the blood. Whereas the result of humility is the door that is covered with cedar, that is enclosed with cedar wood, points to the ability to accept justification by faith. From this, it follows that only upon the presence of the fruit of humility expressed in obedience to the will of God that represents hyssop growing from the wall upon which is built battlements of silver, we can offer fruit of righteousness or the fruit of our faith that is expressed in the doors that are enclosed with cedar wood. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Psalms 92.12 A person is high in the eyes of God is a person that is humbled or one who has offered the fruit of meekness, which is humility. Humility before the preached words of God. This is what makes him almighty, great, and able to celebrate the Pesach feast. We have only gone over three of these components. There are ten of them total. If God will prolong our time, we will remember this word further. But right now we are going to pray and thank God that He has shown us His great mercy. Amen.
We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your mercy, for the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we have gathered in this place. Having been found understanding and trembling before the authority of this great name, Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have not left us as orphans. You have come to us. You have poured out your righteousness. You have loved us before the creation of the earth. You have given birth to us and you grow us in your fullness. We rejoice we wait for your approaching day when you will transform our bodies and will make the make them likened to the image of the glorified body of the Lord when decay and death are going to be cast out and destroyed from our bodies for you have spoken to your servants and prophets and have opened to us through the service of your messenger that we have come to this time. This is the great inheritance that is ready to be revealed. And we wait in fear and trembling. In surprise, what you are doing with us in your body. We thank you for this great mercy and we bless your holy name and those who come in this holy name. We say in our hearts and in our lips, blessed who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the Lord Jesus who has sent his messenger in our life. And thanks to the service, we have been made partakers of your wonderful promises. We ask you to allow us. We have been using all of our stri strivings and energy to show in our faith virtue, to show in our virtue knowledge, to show in knowledge self-control, to show in self-control patience, to show in patience godliness, to show in godliness brotherly love, and to show in brotherly love love. Allow us to use all of our energy, all of our efforts, so that this free entrance can be revealed into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And we know that you have prepared the opening of this kingdom and the opening of the action of your resurrection in our bodies. We're going to be attentive 
to what we are hearing so that we do not fall. We will, with trembling, prepare our hearts to that instruction that you are ready to give to us in our upcoming services. We thank you for this mercy and this instruction and this correction and our instruction toward righteousness. We bow our heads before the greatness of your word. We thank you and we worship you. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.